This episode of the Student Housing Insight Podcast is sponsored by Euphorus VR. Leasing a new development or a property that is going through a facelift requires its leasing staff to present to the prospects an illustration of what the property will look like and feel like when that prospect moves in. Nothing delivers that illustration better than a virtual reality tour. But not all VR designs are created equal. Euphorus VR is leading the way in high-quality VR tours for all real estate sectors, but they really have a passion for student housing, and it comes through in their work. I'm currently using Euphorus on a project for one of my clients, and I was blown away at how realistic their work is. I shared it with the interior designer of the project, and she actually canceled the interior photo shoot because... She felt like her work was better represented by Euphorus than what her photographer could do after the project was delivered. Imagine how that quality will translate to a prospect. And if your property is already delivered, but you realize your website just isn't converting traffic into tours, it's because your model isn't open at 10 p.m. Euphorus can help you as well by photo scanning your model unit and your amenities so prospects can tour anytime they want when it's convenient for them. So check them out at euphorus.com. Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees, and today I've got special guest co-host, Peter Lynch. How's it going, Peter? It's going great. Thanks for having me on, Wesley. So for those of you who may not know Peter, uh, he is an entrepreneur, a TEDx keynote speaker, uh, host of the Storytelling 2.0 podcast. And he's held multiple positions in training and organizational development. And he most recently has joined Cardinal Group Management out in Denver, Colorado as their head of people and culture. So welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Thanks so much. (laughs) It's great having another, uh, I guess, professional podcaster on the episode. So uh, to, to the audience really quick, why is, why is Peter the special guest? Well, if you looked at the, uh, at the cover art for, for this episode, we are talking about the power of storytelling. And as I mentioned, Peter's got a, a lot of background in, in public speaking. I think he's drawn a lot on stories, but you've really dissected you know, the, the, the process of storytelling and, and how that brings so many emotions into things and how that ends up getting people to make decisions. So that that's the main reason I wanted to to bring you onto this episode. And and I yeah. think that you've got a lot to add to this. So audience, get ready. <laughs> get ready. <laughs> but but really quick for for those that may not know you, can you give us a little bit of your background? Yeah. So I, I've spent a lot of time in corporate America. You know, I've worked for some huge companies. Um, some big Fortune 500s, Western Union, Dish Network, uh, Empower Retirement. Uh, and I've also had a couple experiences as an entrepreneur. I built and deployed an app that was downloaded in 72 countries and they made it to the top 1% of the app store. And I've uh, cool. been a keynote speaker for quite a while. I, I loved your your TEDx. For anybody that wants to go out and find it, I think I've got this title right, but it's it's cul-de-sac startup. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's great. I won't go into too much on it now, but it's uh, it's so relevant to <laughs> you know just uh, how things are you know happen today. Yeah. So so thanks for for sharing that on that platform. We have these idea presentations that we do at our summits, and they're really based off of. And just the sharing of of ideas that yeah. you know, I think TEDx and and TED Talks are just great at. So, thanks for being bold and sharing that with the world. And yeah, thanks um, so much. I think it's uh, I think it's really cool. Well, Peter, thanks again for joining us for this. And and let's just get into why it is that that you and I and I think a lot of others that have kind of followed storytelling, why we think it's so important, and, and how. Student housing can really benefit from implementing this and, and teaching their folks about it. You know, I think storytelling is is how humans naturally learn. Yeah, um, I've shared on this podcast that I'm a uh, my wife and I are homeschool teachers. She's more of the nice. homeschool teacher. I'm more <laughs> of the homeschool 
administrator. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, that's just, it, I see the connection happen with my kids when we tell stories. And if you look at kind of the history of, of regardless if, if someone is listening to this believes in evolution or not, if you look at kind of the evolution of how humans have learned, it really started with storytelling. And, and I think it's still the most effective way of teaching people today. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, when it's, when it's done right, it evokes emotion. And we all know that the decisions are typically made based on emotions. Yeah. Um, and uh, with property managers, <laughs> we're trying to get people <laughs> to make decisions all the time. We want people to decide to live with us. We want to decide, you know, for them to get along with their roommates. We want them to decide to come work for us yeah. and grow their career with us, which is really your specialty uh, on that talent management part. Yeah. So in this episode, we're going to be using, we're going to be talking about how to use storytelling in your leasing process, and then also uh, on the recruiting and the talent management process. Any other thoughts before we dig into this? Yeah, I just, I love, you know, Seth Godin has the quote, he said, you know, marketing is no longer about the stuff you make, but about the stories you tell. And yeah. we are in such an age of distraction. There is so much available at our fingertips that you have to break through the noise. You have to differentiate yourself. And to me, there is nothing better than storytelling. Yeah. In fact, the kind of the subtitle, remind me again, the subtitle of, of Storytelling 2.0. Uh, the Art of Attention in an Age of Distraction. I mean, it's just, that is just so crystal clear. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think resonates with anybody that is trying to not just sell something to somebody, but just to motivate people to yeah. do something. Yeah, I mean um, that's why it goes it goes beyond selling too. It's such a huge component of leadership. I mean, it's so powerful. Well, and you know, let's talk about the leasing process. Let's go ahead and dive into that because just like you said, we're fighting for everybody's attention. Yeah, and we're trying to make uh, for our prospects. We're trying to make something about that experience of of them touring, of them going to our website. Yeah. Of them, you know, meeting us at a at a outreach event on campus. Yeah, we've got to we've got one opportunity to make that memorable, so that you know when they go back to their computer, when they go home and talk to mom and dad, when they get back and talk to their other friends or, or current roommates, that they say, "Hey, I want to go check this place out. I had a really good conversation, a really good experience, a little, you know, whatever the interaction may be." Yeah. And, and that, that is, that's incredibly tough, but I believe storytelling really has the ability of, of doing that. Yeah. Um, and I've got a couple of examples that I'm going to talk about, but I've got to say these examples are real life examples. Yeah. And these are examples that, that I implemented at a, at a property when I was actually working on site and I didn't even realize I was doing it. I yeah. think it was just because... This is how I learned. I was a history major in college. And, you know, this is, I think that's why I've loved history so much is because it was really about stories, right? Yeah. And, and so I think it just kind of happened naturally. And like I said, I, I didn't even realize I was doing it. And if there's kind of one regret I have now of when I was in C-suite positions and, and regional manager positions is I didn't encourage my folks that we're at the site level to integrate this into into their leasing process. Yeah, but uh, any other before I get into those examples, any other thoughts you you have on that? Well, it's just it's such a powerful method to create connection. You know, I talk a lot about the power of connection, and for me, I I saw this really powerfully when I took my son to college uh, three months ago, and we're moving him into his housing. And the person who is giving us the tour basically had asked him a couple questions and found out one of the things he was obsessed with is intramural sports. He wanted to play intramural sports. And so as she was walking him through the facility, multiple times she referenced the intramural field being closest to this location. 
And so he felt at home right out of the gate because she connected it to his story. And she told a story. She said, you know, so when you go play intramural football, it's going to be right there. You know, when you're ready to shower, you come back, you're here. I mean, it was such powerful storytelling that my son, I could see, was excited in the moment. And that felt like home for him. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, that's the, the important part of asking questions when you're on these tours is to really understand what is it that that motivates that person? What are they interested in? And yeah. then and taking those those stories that are happening in and around your community yeah. and and connecting them. And uh, you know, I think everybody gets for a lot of different reasons. I think everybody, when it comes to that that tour process, they really get locked into checking the boxes. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of great companies that are out there right now working on artificial intelligence and using things like, you know, Amazon Echoes. Yep. Um, I'm not going to say the word, so everybody's <laughs> smart speaker doesn't go off when I when I say her name. <laughs> but, but everybody knows that device. And allowing basically those between artificial intelligence and smart locks and smart speakers do the tour themselves. Yeah. And, and for some people and some personality types, I think that would probably be preferred. But I think there's also a huge missed opportunity in making those connections that we were just talking about. Yeah. And, and so I, I want to tell you about a couple of things. And your, your stories for your communities you know, could be very different. You don't have to do these exact things, but I want to share them so that they can at least get your mind thinking about things. But when I was a, a general manager on site, I was actually at a property that didn't have the best amenity package. It was a little bit older. Actually, it wasn't that old at all. There was just, they were the first student housing community at this university. <laughs> so <laughs> they quickly became less popular because the amenity package from all the all the new properties wasn't quite as as up to par. And so or ours was not quite up to par with with theirs. So we within I don't know, 5 years of this property being delivered, we start talking about we got to upgrade some things, mm. you know, specifically with our clubhouse. And we didn't really have a lot of real estate to add a fitness center. And we had a fitness center, but it was small. Yeah. And so we made it a little bit bigger, but it was nowhere compared to what we had anywhere else. Mm. But that that gym, you know, what we realized is we had all of the right equipment for people to, to do what they needed to get done mm-hmm. because there was a great facility for them on campus. And this was just kind of a way for them to extend things. But we knew that it was enough because we had a resident, her name was Shelby, and she had gone through this radical transformation. And, and, uh, you know, college is all about transformations in in a lot of different ways. And when she started school, she was not, you know, at a a weight she was comfortable with. And, uh, you know, I don't think I, I don't know what was happening from a nutrition standpoint with her. But this is what she started getting focused on. And it wasn't, <clears throat> I'm not saying this was a, an, an unhealthy type <laughs> of thing, because we've talked about those type of things on this podcast as well, and identifying that with, with residents so that you can get them counseling and that type of thing. It wasn't like that at all. She was being very smart about it. She had actually chosen nutrition as, as her majors. And then she really just got religious with her, with her workout habits. Mm -hmm. And we would find her in the gym at least twice a day, five days a week. (laughs) And, uh, you know, in addition to that, I think she was, you know, probably going on campus a little bit as well, but she had just a radical transformation over about a two year period of time. And, uh, she had actually just graduated before we did this this renovation, and uh, she she at that point well this was just about the same time that blogging was becoming a thing, yeah. And so she had started doing that on a nutrition standpoint, and you know was was starting her own career as a as a trainer, and so we asked her. We said, "Look, we know we've got all the the things in here. Can we?" Um, can we do like a before and after picture? Do you have a before picture? And yeah. she provided it. And we framed that on the wall and she had a note that she said, everything you need to succeed is right here. Mm. And then she actually had a, <laughs> these <laughs> handwritten um, workout sheets 
that you know she had she had checked off what she was doing these things were wrinkled and sweat stained and everything <laughs> else but we framed those and so that it gave this this story that's cool. when we would go into the fitness center of hey we know this isn't the biggest gym that's out there but it's not about the gym it's about you know your your commitment and we're providing everything to you in order for you to to meet your goals and so uh, so we would show that and we would show the transformation that happened and, and tell the story of, you know, seeing her in the gym and, wow. you know, what she was doing now. And, you know, people identified, even if they weren't into, you know, being physically fit, yeah. um, it was something that they, that they identified with because of that transformation that she went through and those goals that she had. Yeah. So the, the next story I want to talk about is, is I actually title it Lindsay's grandmother's cookbook. And let me explain a little bit. Lindsay was a, a leasing agent uh, that we had at a property and she was also a full-time college student. And when she moved in with us, it was her first time moving out of the dorms and she was excited about having a kitchen and being able to make her own meals and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so <laughs> her grandmother actually gave her a gift of a cookbook of all of her personal recipes. And they were handwritten in the book. I, I, I know that's a thing in the South. I've seen that happen. I know my sister yeah. got one for my grandmother. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know it's a, it's, a, it's a thing, but I don't know that, that that's something that's common for, for everybody across the country, but it certainly is here in the South. So anyway, she, she had this and, and she was at least once a week was cooking something from that cookbook. Nice. And and bringing it to the to the office for all of us to eat, and we were like, Lindsay, we've got to meet your grandmother. Like, this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we literally had some guys that were ready to propose to her grandmother because of how good <laughs> this food was. <laughs> and so, uh, anyway, it was it was kind of a joke. But as we were uh, we were actually going through kind of a, a we were switching out the furniture package across the across the property, and so we've upfitted the the model with this new furniture and we were buying some other accessories and this was about the same time that the digital frames you know that you'd stick a usb stick yeah. or a memory card or whatever into it was about the same time that those were at a price point that you know it, it wasn't ridiculous and we said hey we should get one of the digital frames and start asking our residents to send us pictures of food that they're cooking and that type of thing <laughs> nice and somebody said oh we need to get Lindsay's grandmother's <laughs> <laughs> pictures in here and then we were like hey that's actually a great idea and, and Lindsay actually um, gave us a, a, a copy of these handwritten recipes that were in a bonder. Mm -hmm. And we, we put those there and we had the digital frame that was scrolling with a lot of the dishes that she had made. And, and it was mostly the staff and some of the residents that were in the pictures enjoying this great food. Mm -hmm. But when we would tour people, we would tell them that story of, nice. of, uh, Lindsay's grandmother's recipe book. And a lot of people just connected with that. And that was something that they were looking forward to as well. Cause I got tired of cafeteria food on campus and, yeah. and everybody's got a kitchen, but not everybody's got a kitchen with <laughs> Lindsay's grandmother's cookbook. In it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and even today, I mean, this has been, you know, 15, 13 years and, and since all that happened and I still have previous employees that say, hey, you remember yeah. Shelby or, hey, yeah. you remember <laughs> Lindsay's yeah. cookbook? And, and so those are some things that I wanted to share with you guys in case, you know, there's hopefully that will kind of get the juices flowing and, and, you know, helping you and your team think about stories in your own community that can tell to really enhance and make that connection. Yeah. Before we go on to talking about talent management, any other uh, comments or experiences yeah. that you've had from that standpoint, Peter? Yeah. So there's, there's, to me, there's real four real elements that storytelling and more broadly, some things like authenticity and conversation kind of feed into impact. And it's really, it, it's the, the cycle is really about getting someone's attention, building connection to them, uh, driving retention, and ultimately um, having an output of action. 
And there is nothing better, again, as we've said before, than storytelling to this. You know, Jerome Bruner said that he's a cognitive psychologist. He said, we are 22 times more likely to remember a fact when it's wrapped in a story. And so, you know, think yeah. about what you just said. You just said, you know, people years later, we're, we're going back and remembering and commenting on that. Now, had nothing to do with the kitchen, had everything to do with the story that was wrapped around that fact. Yeah. And that's what made it memorable. And, you know, that's what we're trying to do as, you know, if we're selling anything, if we're trying to get people to come work for our company, what we're trying to do is we are trying to get their attention, connect with them, and ultimately get them to remember us in a very special way. And the science of storytelling tells us that there is nothing better at doing that. Yeah, yeah. No one's, you know, called me out of the blue and said, hey, you remember those you remember those those brass <laughs> handles that were on the are on the kitchen cabinets? You know, yes. no one's done that. <laughs> yes. But they remember the cookbook. Yes. Well, great. Well, the other part that you know, I never even really thought about you know using stories in the recruitment and the talent yeah. management process. I, I've again, just like with the leasing process, I realized that I've done that. Yeah. Um, I, I always tell a story. When uh, at one of the previous companies that I was at, it was actually, you know, if you did a if you did a tree of like a family tree of student housing and, mm -hmm. and saw how all the branches came off, a lot of stuff comes back to two companies, uh, the main company being um, what's now Graystar. It used to be EDR. And then before that, it was Alan O'Hara mm -hmm. and uh, and then ACC actually. Uh, Bill Bayless and and several of the folks that started that, you know, were actually part of, well, Bill Bay Bayless will tell you the story about, you know, working at a, a at an Alan O'Hara community at West Virginia University. Yeah. And ACC started as a, uh, one of its first offices and behind an auto body shop in Austin, Texas. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I mean, to, to look at them today, it's just, it's amazing to think that. And so yeah. I would hear these stories from founders of, of this other company that I used to work for about, Hey, you remember the auto body shop? We used to? <laughs> and so, you know, I would, you know, when I was recruiting people, I would tell them, you know, kind of the lineage of, you know, who our founders were and that type of thing. And, and again, I mean, I haven't been a part of that company in over two years and I still have people to come up <laughs> that, I didn't even hire, but had an interview with and mm. either like, you know, I'm now working for ACC and I asked them about this and they, you know, they've never actually told anybody about it and all this yeah. kind of stuff. So, so I have kind of done that, but listening to one of your podcasts uh, on this, it just drove it home for me on how impactful it is, not just for recruiting people, yeah. but for for motivating people too. Yeah. So I'd love for you to share that. Yeah. And, you know, it's, <laughs> I always say this to me is paramount to leadership. And when we talk about talent management and recruiting, there's really two things that are critical here. There's both the internal people who own the process and then there's the uh, team members and future team members. And so there's both sides of that. And so we have to figure out how to fix both of those. And I think storytelling can really impact both of them. And, you know, we have to connect with people in a meaningful way to get yeah. them to change. And so I had a talent acquisition team and Jason Dorsey had done a lot of studies on the impact of onboarding for millennials. And he found that the day one experience is critical. It actually has an 80% predictor on likelihood for them to stay beyond a year. So it's a, a crazy important value proposition. And one of the important elements of onboarding is, is, is technology ready on day one. <laughs> and so I, I went to my team, my talent acquisition team and said, guys, we need to, we really need to help solve this and make sure that we have technology ready. And I'll never forget one of the recruiters said, but Peter, we don't own that. Now I could have, as a leader, I could have come back to them and said, I don't Meaning care. They don't own the process. Yeah. They don't own the process gotcha. of technology being ready. 
And I said, I could have been the leader that says, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you, go fix it. Uh, I could have tried to inspire them and said, you know, I believe in you. You can fix this. <laughs> none, none of those would have worked like what I did. Now, just yeah. weeks before, I had taken my wife out to a nice dinner. It was around Christmas. Uh, we have three kids, so we had babysitters. And you know, babysitters are expensive. <laughs> so, yeah. we, had a, we had a great dinner. We were done with dinner, and we went out to get my car, which was valeted. One of the valets had driven home with my key and he lived a long ways away and it was starting to snow. Long story short, ended up taking about an hour for this person to, to come back with my key. An now, hour? An hour. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, it was, we're sitting there, we're ready to be home. We're paying our babysitter, all sorts of things. Now the manager of the restaurant came up to me and he said, Peter, I am so sorry, but I just want you to know that we don't own the valet. And in that moment, <laughs> like my wife, she grabbed my arm and she said, breathe. <laughs> and I remember looking at him and I said, you know what? You don't own the valet, but guess what you do own? The experience. And we'll never be back. And I thought of this story the minute I was talking to my recruiters. And, and so what I did is I shared this story. And I looked at the person who asked the question and I said, you know, you don't own that process. I get it. But you do own the experience. Yeah. And literally in a moment, he understood and he went and solved the problem in two days. I don't believe he would have solved that problem absent me having a story to connect and inspire him. And that to me is the game changer that is storytelling. Uh, you know, and that's just the, that's one side of it. That's, you know, leading the internal recruiting team. Now let's talk about the other side, about how do we attract the right talent? You know, so often, when we look at recruitment, we think we start with recruit, but there is an attract process that, that kind of sets the framework for how good you're going to be at recruiting. And it's what is the value proposition we're creating? How are we telling the story of who we are so that we are drawing to us the people that are culture fit, people that understand who we are, because those are the people we want working for us. And so if you can be through storytelling, begin to share what's important to you as a company, like how are we volunteering out in the marketplace? Uh, what do we believe about work-life balance? Um, how do we empower and embolden our leaders to create amazing teams? Right. When you start to tell that story in the marketplace, you're going to get the attention of people that you never would have gotten through a standard recruiting process. And here's the beauty. Going back to that stat that I told you from Jerome Bruner, we're 22 times more likely to remember a fact wrapped in a story. So yeah. if I tell people on social media, you know, we are a great place to work, that's good. But if I share a story about why we're a great place to work, people will be 22 times more likely to remember us as a company. And that to me at its core is the essence of powerful storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I see that, you know, I know you just came on to Cardinal yeah, you know, within the within the past several weeks, and, yeah. <laughs> and serving Alex and Dell, I think from a consulting standpoint prior yeah. to that. But that's one thing I really, and and I've told those guys this. I really admire about their company is yeah. they they're very encouraging of their of their employees to yeah. to share kind of their journey yep. that they have with with everybody. Yeah, and, and that's you know you see it on social media on, on the Cardinal. <laughs> on the Cardinal social media sites and then, yep. and then also the employees LinkedIn profiles and that type of thing. Yep. And, uh, you know, I've got to imagine that's, that's been a huge help to, uh, to them from a recruiting standpoint, yeah. not to give away any of the secrets, but <laughs> because it, it, you know, really we can tell you all these tactical things, but unless the people really believe it and yep. they're out there doing it, it's not going to happen anyway. So don't think, you know, you're giving away the secret sauce or anything, yeah. <laughs> but but that's uh, you know, there's a whole nother element behind that 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 really makes it that makes it happen. But well, and um, Wesley, you know, really think about it. This is part of the reason why I'm here is because of what they have done related to that and the connection that I have to how they do it. It's impossible to fake authenticity. 
you know, it's such a hot topic right now and people are talking about it in the frameworks, but the beauty of it is you can't fake it. Uh, Either you have it or you don't, and they have it. And to me, I was really connected to that. I loved what they were doing and I knew there were some opportunities for us to take it even to the next level. And, you know, to their credit, you know, we had a, a really great conversation about how do we continue the amazing trajectory they already have. And I'm excited about what the future holds. And I, I think storytelling is going to be one of the key central tenets of how we move forward. Absolutely. Well, speaking of, of storytelling, it's <laughs> a good transition that, that you made there. Uh, you know, this this past year, we've done our, our regional summits that we, we started back in 2018 and we did four this, this year in 2019. And as I was there's a story behind this and then it really gets into the the real professionals that that can tell a story but <laughs> when i was picking out locations we needed something for the southwest i didn't know if i wanted to do austin or dallas or oklahoma city or something like that and one of my clients uh, on my consulting side is is simple bills which is also a, a sponsor of, of the podcast and a lot of people know about them but they're based in waco texas which is like smack dab in the middle between austin and dallas and i was there this time last year uh, in december and and said guys I'm, I'm looking to do something in the southwest with one of these summits do you have any recommendations and they said well what about waco and uh, Ah, Waco. <laughs> <laughs> and they they said, "Hey, you know, here are some places to go." And and they gave me some background on kind of what's been happening since you know the whole Chip and Joanna Gaines, <laughs> yeah, um, the Magnolia, all that stuff that was going on. And and so I did that. I was like, "Yeah, okay, this probably makes a lot of sense." And geographically, it made sense. And so went with it and started looking at, at a few options. And we always want to provide some type of experience at these summits that are not just, you know, not just a, a dinner or yeah. some awards thing or whatever. Those are, those are important, but we wanted to have something that, I mean, if you look at what we've done this past year, we had the Cincinnati Zoo where we got to have animals brought in and, you know, people were telling us about it and we got to, you know, touch and feel the animals and all that kind of stuff. And then we did the Whitewater Center um, mm-hmm. where we got to go rafting and zip lining and all that kind of stuff. Kennedy Space Center, which was just amazing. But with, with Waco, I was looking for something. There's some cool things. There's a surf park and all this kind of stuff, which is really weird for the middle of, <laughs> of Texas. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, I, I was speaking with the guys at Simple Bills and said, "Hey, what do you think?" And there was this introduction made to to Waco tours, and it's your typical, you know, kind of tour bus type of thing that you would expect. Although the passion that these guys have is just incredible, yeah, and and the story behind their their company is is incredible as well. And I was on a pack bus and there was, there was also a mother and her daughter. The daughter was a senior in high school and had been accepted to Baylor. And this was just kind of part of, you know, this was something that kind of worked into their orientation week. And after that whole experience of, of going on this tour, I was like, not only is this a cool thing to do for the summit, but like. I feel emotionally attached to Waco now. Like I want to, <laughs> I want to move here. And it just kind of came full circle to me of why are we not using storytelling in, in the leasing process and, yeah. and showing off our communities. So, you know, long story short, we ended up choosing Waco tours as, as our experience for the summit. And then I ended up asking the, the company, the team behind Waco Tours to actually come and tell us about, you know, how they use nice. uh, the storytelling process so that, you know, same thing as with this podcast, try to get those juices flowing, really impress upon people the impact that storytelling has. So I actually want to play that audio clip now. And if you want to know what happened with that mother and the daughter that was going to that had been accepted to Baylor listen to this and you'll find out and uh, and I think this will really kind of open your eyes and and we'll have some other thoughts on on the outro
So, guys, let me share a little bit of the, of, of the story of why we're even in Waco. I'm sure most of you guys know Simple Bills over here in the corner. It's a great sponsor for us. Um, they're, they're located here. Also, um, a client of mine on the, on the consulting side, and we had a discussion back in, in December when I was down here talking about the summits and what we were going to, you know, that we were going to do three or four this upcoming year. Where should we do them? We've got to do something in Texas. And they said, well, why not Waco? I was like, why would people come to Waco? <laughs> and <laughs> I think actually Matt said, well, you know, Matt, is, or he said, you know, Waco is actually the second largest or second most visited city in the U.S. This was like, I guess, last quarter of last year. Um, next to Hawaii, or I guess Honolulu. So that just, after I put my jaw up off the floor, I was like, because of Chip and Joanna? <laughs> People really come here for that? And, and oh boy, was I underestimating <laughs> what, I, what I was thinking. So anyway, there, as I was headed out to the airport, they said, you know, come out of the silos, take a look. And I mean, this was like a couple weeks next to Christmas, and, and I come out, and the place is just packed out, and I'm like, I can't believe all these people are coming down here to go to Magnolia, and um, of course, I get home, I talk to my family about it, and they're like, you didn't stop and get out of the car? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and so, anyway, I started kind of becoming a little infatuated <laughs> with Waco, and actually was back in Austin for, for Interface Conference back in April, and came back through, and I'd made a appointment with Melinda because I was, I was working with Kevin and the guys at Simple Bills. I said, so what is there to do in, in Waco? We talked about um, the surf park that's here and that type of thing. And Kevin said, um, it was actually Luke, uh, David's business partner. He sent an email to him and said, hey, you guys connect. And so I met with Melinda when I was here. We met over at the Hotel Indigo. She said, well, have you been on a tour yet? And I said, no. And there just happened to be a bus with one seat and she threw me on it. Literally. Providential, literally. Providential, literally, yeah. And so I was just absolutely amazed at the storytelling and what they were able to talk about with this little town. Not just the, you know, the fixer-upper homes, but the historic spots and um, all the history that has happened here. And it became one of those things, and, and just a lot about the community, and it became one of those things where as I was getting towards the end of it, I was like, I could live in Waco. And, and so and what was really what really just kind of hit me in the head as I was going on it. There was a mom, this is in April, so there was orientation going on at Baylor, and there was a mom with, um, with her daughter that was graduating high school um, who was here for orientation, and on the tour, she turned to her mom and said, you know, I wasn't too sure about Baylor, but I'm 100% on Waco. And I was like, I looked at the power that their storytelling had, and I was like, if our leasing agents could do this, like, the, you know, telling the stories and just having that, that hospitality that you guys show, and for those of you that will be going on the, on the tour, you'll certainly see it. It, it, was, just, it was just amazing. So um, I wanted to bring these guys in to talk a little bit about it, but David, if you would, really quick, and for those of you that may recognize David, he is a former Ralph Lauren model and all these things I've heard about. Um, but he's also, he was also on season three um, with, uh, with Chip and Joanna. So, and is your house going to be on the tour this afternoon? Yeah, yeah you'll, you'll see my house. <laughs> if you will, just tell them a little bit about, you know, how things, you know, the origin story and how things got started. And then we'll get oh, wow. into the questions. Well, I started a tour company, so you all know that I don't do anything really short, but I'll try to, because I'm a talker. But I'll tell you the short story. Yeah, so Chip and Joanna did my house season three. Chip called me the most eligible bachelor in Waco, gets a house to entertain, had two islands in the kitchen, volleyball, basketball in the backyard. All my buddies, single buddies who live with me, they're pretty sad right now that I got married. They were happy and sad uh, because they had to move out and couldn't have get-togethers all the time. So, uh, you know, just... Through my life experiences, lived in New York and traveled the world, modeled. I'm 41 now and really got mixed up in drugs and alcohol my last couple years in New York, hit a rock bottom. 
I'm going to fast forward and just tell you that God has done a radical transformation in my life. I met Jesus in 2006, and I've never been the same since. That's my story. don't know where everybody is. We're all in a different area in our life, and it's okay. Uh, that's just been my story. And after that happened in 2006, I had a desire to tell everybody that I've experienced fame, money, sitting next to Leonardo DiCaprio and movie premieres flying on billionaires' jets and playing at the nicest golf courses in the world. And I I had done all that and had found no satisfaction in any of that. Actually was emptier and emptier, which was really weird because it looked like I had it all on the outside. So when I got radically transformed, I wanted to tell everybody about it. And that's what I did. I would tell everybody. And then I moved to Waco and I told some buddies, I said, we should get a bus and travel around the country and just tell everybody about what the Lord's done. And we're single. We can have fun. That didn't pan out, but you're, yeah, you know, guys, we have some pretty crazy ideas, don't we? Uh, and so I put that on the shelf. Then they did my house. And one morning I was just sitting there kind of having a quiet time in my house. And I really felt like the Lord spoke tour company of Waco, which what everybody thinks when they think of it, what are you going to show and do in Waco? And what do they think about when they think of Waco? You know, what happened 25 years ago with David Koresh and the Branch Davidians. And I really felt like the Lord spoke it so clear. Wow, it's crazy. I don't normally cry on that part. I feel like the Lord spoke it so clear that I couldn't stop pursuing it. So I got my friends Luke and Rachel and I said, hey, I got this crazy idea. We need to show people our city and make, give them something fun to do while they're in town. All these visitors are coming. We prayed about it, jumped in, bought a van. I did hospice for seven years in Waco. Really hard to leave a job where they give you a car and you got a financial you know, check coming in every month. I got rid of my car. All I had was a house. I had a nice house though. And now have a Mercedes, have a Mercedes Sprinter van that my buddy Luke and I are using to drive around people on the weekends and show them this city. Well, it just all started to work out where Luke and I just got to be ourselves. You know, we're both fun. We both have been transformed by the love of God, and we both loved Waco and all the stories here, and we love to have fun. So we just drove people around on a van, and we came up with this route that kind of weaves downtown, East Waco, Baylor, houses, the lake, the park, and we kind of share this restoration story of Waco. People, if I told you story after story, you would not believe me up here today. If I told you that I had a lady yesterday morning from Nebraska come up to me and said, this is my third trip, David. I just brought my third group of friends back. Why did you bring them back? Just so they could experience the tour. Happens every single day that we're in business now. It's, we've hosted 60,000 people on our experiences. And we're not a tour, we're an experience. So Luke and I took our personalities and we took this restoration story of Waco and we put it on a van. We stop and buy you ice cream or coffee. We make it fun. We get to know everybody's name. It's personalized. It's not what you think when you go. And that's just how it developed. And the Lord's really taken it from there. He brought Luke and Rachel and I together with our different gifts. And he created these uh, experiences that we now have for people to experience when they come to our city. There's so many stories about Waco that would take us six hours to share up here. Seriously, just the facts and the people, what things they invented here and the different things that Waco's known for. And stuff that, like we told you, Geyser City, people don't know that, the hot springs. We could go on and on. And there's a really unique story. Just like all of us, we all have a unique story, right? We all have different, we're all different walks of life and we like different things. And, you know, every city has a story. And we love getting to share all these visitors, uh, you know, about the story of Waco and the restoration. And that's kind of how we started. That's where we're at now. We've got eight vans, uh, eight Mercedes Sprinter vans, which is crazy to think about because God took this thing, you know, three years. We, we give God full control of our life. You never know what he'll do. The, the other long story that I'll share if you ever want to talk is that house that I got on the TV show, my mom and I saw it a year and a half before the owners put it up on the market. I couldn't afford it. And I said, man, that would be my dream house one day. I got a Facebook message a year and a half later. And the people said, we feel like the Lord put you on our heart for this house to be yours. And I I had just started looking for a bigger house. So all these things were falling in place. And yeah, it hadn't been an easy journey, 
Uh, but man, I tell you, it's been a fun one. And at the Waco Tours, I've learned a lot. And we're just having fun. We, we like to have fun. Our company likes to have a good time. So uh, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks, thanks for sharing that. And there's a lot of things I, <laughs> I want to get into immediately. But I, I realize a lot, of, a lot of folks need to actually experience the tour before they can really appreciate the questions. But, you know, we were talking beforehand about, you know, all the different kind of parallels between what you're doing as a tour company versus what these folks are doing with student housing. And, you know, one of the things is, you know, when you're looking at the, at the real estate, you know, it's not, just, um, it's not just the leasing manager or the property manager, mm-hmm. but it's also the maintenance guys. And, and upon looking at you guys, because you go two blocks down here to, to Magnolia and you guys are set up over there every day in the parking lot and it doesn't matter if somebody's washing the tires on the van or if someone's, you know, underneath the tent, you know, purposely trying to sell, they're all helpful. And not just from, not just from a standpoint of, of being able to answer questions on where things are at in town, but they really, you know, have this true just this true care for whoever they come across. And I think as property managers, we're trying to do that with our team all the time. Is there a little bit that you can share how you guys have, have created that culture and nurture that culture? Yeah, you know, just going to tell you guys, you know, really our company started on a heart of hospitality. And then we hired better people that are sitting over here, uh, two of them right here. So I'm going to let them share, uh, but I'll let you guys kind of take that away. Thank you. Yes. So I think what I wanted to share is, you know, we have our logo, which you see uh, right here and on Heather's shirt. It's like a compass. And we use those four points for our core values. Hospitality. They just happen to all start with H. Hospitality, heart, humility, and honesty. And the training process that we go through, and I think how does this connect with what you've got on your teams out there uh, at the different student housing areas is there the leadership first and who they are and the passion of what you have as you lead your team? And then what is the culture? What is, what is it that you're creating? What is that DNA of everyone that's part of your team? And we want to uh, model it, and then we train it. And we hire amazing people. It's a, an extensive process that we go through. But it's those characteristics, and under each one of those words are things like what you were saying, those, that part of hospitality going above and beyond. That's one of the descriptions of, of that. So if it's one of our fleet prep who gets all those machines ready to use, whether it's our sales team that we have, we have a beautiful mercantile, which is our gathering place and store. We have associates there to our tour guides and drivers and Every one of them are prepared to be ambassadors. And I think that's an important word for your teams as you go out. No matter who it is, you've almost knighted them. You are an ambassador. So if someone walks into your property or into your office, whomever they meet and the atmosphere that's created is what's going to make such a huge difference. So our people are our greatest asset. And when we pour into them they are able to be filled up and be able to hear and know and believe in the message. You could ask any of our staff, and I do believe they just say, I've never worked at a place like this. And we're humbled and thankful for that. And that's what I encourage you to create where you are, where it is a light in your community. Everybody wants to work for your student housing, for Willie's student housing. Where's Willie? There you are. Uh, Because... You know what you're about. You know what your mission is. We have an ultimate mission of impacting people's life, being ambassador for our cities. Uh, And all of this being done is a kingdom business that whatever we do, we want to glorify God. And so that's who we are. And I think that's how maybe it can kind of bridge the gap of what we're here for today for you. Yeah. Thanks, Melinda. Uh, If you're going to take a note, Make sure your note says, my people are my greatest asset. 
they are my number one asset. Not the buildings, not the guests, you know, the customers that you have, but your staff, your team. They're your greatest asset. When they're envisioned, like Melinda was saying, there's so much more that they will do above and beyond what you tell them to do. You're going to light a fire inside of them rather than behind them or under them. And from that place of excitement and vision, people work in a very, very different way and with a love for people that is so necessary in a, in a hospitality or in a housing environment. People are looking for a place, they're, they're away from home, right? And so they're looking for a place that feels warm and inviting and hospitable where people are going to welcome me and know me and know my name and look me in the eye and smile at me and learn about my life. That's what we experience on the tours. The more we show interest in other people's lives, the more they just open up and they feel right at home, even though Waco's not their hometown. Wesley said, I wanted to move to Waco after my tour. And so much of that, we believe, is just because we open up our hearts to them. And um, so we just want to encourage you, your people are your greatest asset. And when I'm getting to do the training, we, we all get to take part in the training, but one of the most important elements of the training is that the same way that I want my, uh, you know, our team to treat the guests, that's how I need to treat my team with even more extravagant hospitality, with even more extravagant interest in their lives and noticing them and taking time for them because people learn more from what is caught rather than what is taught. So they'll catch the way that Melinda treats them. They'll catch the way that Melinda's willing to stop and wash the vans with them. They'll catch the way that David, no one is uh, is too uh, insignificant for David. He always makes time for people. That's what they catch. That's modeled. And then we also reaffirm that with our words in our training. Does that make sense, y'all? And just to translate that really quick, because we've got a lot of site managers here that you are that CEO of that $40 million property, that $20 million property. And, and we've got some great companies that, that are represented here, and, and those companies have some great culture of their own. But don't discount the fact that just because you know, the C-suite is promoting you know, a culture for the, for the company that you don't have your own DNA in, in, into the culture of what's happening at your property as well. Because if you discount that and you say, okay, well, that's something that, you know, someone in my corporate office is, is pushing down. Um, first of all, it's not going to permeate into the, to the rest of your team. But the other thing is they just end up getting lost. They don't see that vision if, if you're not Number one, repeating that same culture from your corporate office, but even, even putting your own local flavor on it, right? Because there's things about there's things about Austin that are different from San Marcos, that's different from San Antonio, and if you're not really grasping that and and you know sharing that with your team of what's important to not just your site but your neighborhood and your overall community, there's a lot that's going to be missed. Um, as they're starting to work with the students and, and being a god for them on their campuses. So really quick, I want to talk about, and Heather, I think this is more for you, but just the power of storytelling. Um, because I don't think we do, you know, when we do our leasing tours, it's very much a, you know, A to Z, this is what we're going to do. These are the boxes that we're going to check. And it's, and, and you know, to the extent of it, it may be about, you know, trying to create the story of them living, you know, in that community. But what's so powerful about what you guys do is, is, is giving, you know, some, some history and making them, uh, you're, you're serving them as a, you're serving that person, that customer, um, as a God. You're kind of making them the hero of the story. So regardless of, uh, you know, a story about, East Texas, or East Texas, East Waco, and and the Civil Rights Movement, and even though you know I was was not around at that time, I don't know a lot of the, the, the pressures of of what those people were experiencing at that point in time. You guys tell the story in a way that everybody identifies with it. So, can you give a little bit of background of what goes into that as you're developing that for your tour guides? Absolutely. So. So one of the things that most, we, there's a lot of research out there right now that is just demonstrating the power of storytelling. And what, one of the things we found with all the information, I mean literally the millions of facts, statistics, data that we could tell you all about Waco, that stuff doesn't stick. 
What sticks is a story that evokes emotion. So when people go on our tour, David was a natural storyteller. He told you in the beginning, he just started sharing his story. And people would maybe not necessarily relate to drugs in his case or alcohol or things like that, but they could relate to depression. They could relate to feelings of incredible disappointment and emptiness. And so even though they weren't David, they could identify with some of the elements that he shared in his story. And that's one of the things, if you've ever watched a movie or read a book, you're always looking for that character that reminds you of yourself, whether you consciously realize it or not. So what people remember is not only the story, our brains are actually engineered to remember stories better than anything else, Uh, but they also remember how they felt. People remember how they felt. They don't know why, but afterward, they can't tell you any of the data and the information, but they just know they really liked it and they felt loved and they connected with the story. So... All throughout the tour, we're telling many stories, many stories, many, many, many stories. And so one of the examples that I'd shared with Wesley, he mentioned East Waco. There is an incredible hero named Doris Miller who grew up in East Waco during a time when Waco was segregated. Uh, East Waco was the African-American portion of town, and he enlisted in the United States military. And at that time, unfortunately, African-American soldiers weren't given any weaponry or combat training, but Doris wanted to serve his country, and so he enlisted, and he uh, was a cook aboard the USS West Virginia. Now, you might have seen his story depicted in the movie Pearl Harbor. Anybody seen Pearl Harbor? He was depicted by Cuba Gooding Jr., And we share his story of incredible triumph. Uh, When the Japanese planes were attacking at Pearl Harbor, Doris Miller left his post as a cook, went above deck in the face of incredible danger, and looked around to see how he could help. He found his commanding officer had been wounded, he dragged him to safety, and then he got behind an unmanned 50 caliber machine gun and started shooting at the Japanese planes. Some credit him with up to four or five Japanese planes taken out, saving thousands of lives. So that's a story that we tell with people that's in brief. But a lot of people on board, you know, whether or not they can relate to the element of uh, you know, racism uh, that Doris Miller experienced in his life, Uh, One of the things that racism does is it produces a feeling of incredible rejection. And whoever you are, we can relate to that feeling of rejection. And so people on our tours are looking and saying, oh, I understand that. And so when Doris Miller is given the highest honor that the United States military, the Navy gives, which is the Navy Cross, the whole van rejoices with his triumph because they've found themselves in the rejection and they've found themselves in the hope for that rejoicing and that triumph. So the power of a story in there, people are always looking for themselves in the story. So I'm imagining Imagining if you were sharing, uh, you know, about your housing place, you know, telling the story of the land, of the people, the triumph, the travail, why would a student want to live there? There's going to be a lot of different housing units, and a lot of people, for example, in Waco can offer a tour. But what is it that we're doing that differentiates us? It's the way that we love people. It's the way that we're telling our story, that we're connecting with them. Guys, it's, it's, again, it's incredible just going through the Waco tour and what you guys will experience if you haven't signed up. I think we may have a couple of seats. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you, guys. Yep. And, and Well, All guys, right. I hope there's some things you can take away from that that you can take back to your, to your site and implement into your team. And I appreciate you guys again so much for being a part of it. Thanks. Well, guys, there you have it. That was such of a great event all around, but really appreciated Waco Tours for sacrificing their time to come and talk to our group. They didn't charge us anything for it, so <laughs> it was it was uh, great getting that feedback, and and I think hearing from a lot of the folks afterwards impacted them, both not just hearing their story, but then also yeah. going on the tour afterwards. So, any thoughts on that clip? Because uh, I know you've listened to it as well. Yeah, two things. I, I want to go to Waco too. Uh, my my wife's a big fan of uh, Chip and Joanna anyway, but uh, I want to go on a Waco tour, number one. Number two, just so many nuggets in there. You know, I, I loved, uh, one of my favorites was this idea of things being caught instead of being taught. Uh, mm-hmm. Just so powerful. And, and I love when you see a business actually 
make storytelling produce business results. And it sounds like they are just, you know, crushing the tour game because they have become they such great storytellers. They are. I don't know if they've got other, you know, cities coming to them and saying, Hey, can you replicate this? But yeah, I know I've been seeing just here in Charlotte, um, there's a new group that uh, that came up last year that they actually hired a lot of stand up comedians because I guess stand up comedians are always <laughs> looking for some extra money yeah. uh, <laughs> to, to do the tours. And I, I haven't been on one yet. I've talked to people that have and, it, you know, it's enjoyable, but it's not having the type of impact like, yeah. um, you know, this this little group down in Waco, Texas are having right now. So, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Well, Peter, I, I appreciate you taking the time out to to come and share with with our audience. I, I've really enjoyed getting to to know you, and uh, enjoyed enjoyed the the podcast, and you know, hope that those things will will continue even now that you're you're in your role with with Cardinal. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm going to continue the podcast as well as speaking. You know, Dell and Alex and the rest of Cardinal are, are really just amazing people and they understand the future of work and they understand that, you know, us getting the Cardinal story out there is mutually beneficial and really important. So I'm going to continue the podcast. I'll continue speaking and and we will be building just an amazing people and culture group here. Well, if folks want to follow you, what's the best way for them to uh, to reach out and connect with you? Yeah, so you can find me on peteralynch.com or uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. I'm, I'm pretty much all over social media. Uh, you can find me at Real Peter Lynch and, um, <laughs> and then Storytelling 2.0. Yeah, I just say Real Peter Lynch because uh, the Peter Lynch from Fidelity is kind of crushed optimization on Google. <laughs> He's taken everything. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he he has. Of course, I, I I didn't even really know much about him. And <laughs> when uh, I'd been introduced to you from a mutual friend, and uh-huh. had kind of got a direct link to everything. And so at some point in time, I went and Googled Peter Lynch to find <laughs> everything, and I was like, "That's not Peter Lynch. Who's yeah. this guy?" <laughs> yeah, he has much better hair than I do. Way better hair. <laughs> As in he has hair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, Peter, again, thanks so much. And and a big thanks to our, our sponsor, Euphorus, and for the stories that they're creating with their amazing VR tours. And a couple other just quick reminders. We will be at the IMN Student Housing 360 Conference in January. It's January 16th and 17th in Dana Point, California. So the link for that is in the show notes. And if you've got any other questions, make sure that you reach out to us at contact at studenthousinginsight.com. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thanks.